Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I'm excited to kick off a brand new series today, and it's entitled Friend or Pharisee? Friend or Pharisee? And I believe this is going to be an exceptional series for this church because we want to embed some culture, um, continue to do that into our ministry. They say that it takes about two years to firmly establish culture in any organization or church. We're coming up on the two-year mark, and we want to continue to instill things into the fabric of this ministry. And I believe this series is going to do this. Um, We're going to talk about some things, and I believe God is going to take us to the next level. So if you have your Bibles, or if you don't have your Bibles, that's good too, because it's going to be on the screen. But go with me to John chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 12. It's a little lengthy, but I want you to get the whole story. You probably have heard this story before, but I want you to hear it again, get the full context. When you have it, you can stand. And the Bible reads this way. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convinced or convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We're going to pause right there. Today, I would like to speak from the subject, accidental Pharisees. Accidental Pharisees. Let us bow our heads, Father. It is with great anticipation that we look to you today for a word. A word that will change our lives and our circumstances. A word that will speak to our hearts. A word that will transform the inner Pharisee within us. That we may be holy, we may be right, we may be pristine before you. We pray, God, that you would fight against every plan of the enemy. And you would, oh God, bless in this house right now. Shift us to where you want us to go. And we thank you in advance for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Accidental Pharisees. You know, today I decided to um, break out one of my old retro jerseys. And um, I'm the type of person, Sue, that I just don't throw clothes away. I realize when I stop growing, I'm not going to throw sneaks away. I'm not going to throw clothes away. And I saw this old jersey hanging in my closet. And as I thought about my sermon today, it kind of hit me. Because MJ, and if you don't know who MJ is, I'll say Michael Jordan, right, for all the young people in here that think, like, LeBron is the man. 
right? Michael Jordan is the man in my book. And I, I, when I was looking at this jersey because if you don't know him well, you probably aren't aware or don't remember that he actually played for the Washington Wizards. And it was on the decline of his career. But I loved him so much, I said, I'm going to buy the jersey. You know, it was when I was in college, I said, I love him. Anything he does is great. I'm going to buy the jersey. But I, I realized as I looked at the jersey and I decided to put it on today that he wasn't really great when he wore this jersey. I mean, he had the fame. He had the reputation. But it wasn't the same. It wasn't Air Jordan like he was in Chicago. It wasn't the assassin that everybody feared. He wasn't the same. And, and I realized that Michael Jordan suffers from what a lot of us suffer from. And he had a heavy dose of pride. Now, pride can be good when it's, when it, when it's concerning your self-esteem. But there is a tipping point as it relates to pride that you can go to the other side, the dark side of pride. And you can start believing that you are better than you really are. You are greater than you really are. You are more special than you really are. And the funny thing about pride is that pride will often give us a distorted picture of who we really are. And it is with that theme that we jump into our text today because our, our um, sermon series is entitled Friend or Pharisee. And I want to talk about the Pharisees that we see today. And not only the Pharisees that we see today, but the inner Pharisee within us. Because I believe that all of us have some kind, some semblance of Pharisee living within us. And you may not think it. But I believe that as we go through this series, we'll be able to expose some of the things that we can work on internally. I mean, we were coming back from vacation, my family and I, we were driving home, and all of a sudden, the check engine light came on, and it's the dreaded check engine light, right? Because my problem with the check engine light is that it never gives me all the information I need to know. Like, what does that mean, check engine? It could be anything. It could be transmission fluid is low, coolant is low, the engine is overheating. It could be the gas tank uh, emissions are leaking through your, your gas tank. It could be so many things. And the problem with the check engine light is that when you have a certain type of car, these high-tech cars today, the only way to figure out what's going on is that you got to take it to the dealer or the mechanic and they got to run it through the computer and the computer has to pull up the code. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to pay somebody just to check the code and figure out what's wrong with this car. So I'm like, what's going on with this car? I decided, because I'm a little crazy like that, that I'm going to try and figure it out myself, right? I'm one of those type of people. I'm going to figure it out myself. I lift up the hood. I open up the hood, and I start to check things. And I realized that the, the coolant was low. So I decided to go to Walmart, put, put coolant in the car and all of a sudden the check engine light went away and I was so happy because I guessed right and I'm gonna tell you it was a guess it was a guess and I would I would rather tinker around and try and fix things before I take it and spend some money and the point of that story is that sometimes in your life you have to lift up the hood in your life because there's a check engine light that is flashing. And God is trying to get your attention and say, check your heart. Check your emotions. Hello, hello, hello. How long has it been since you had a checkup on your emotions? How long has it been since you checked your heart? 
And so we springboard into this text today, and the Pharisees are bringing this woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery with what, what the story doesn't say, but we assume a man. And we know in those days she was caught doing something she wasn't supposed to do with a man. And the Pharisees catch her in the very act, drag her out, and bring her to Jesus. I'm going to talk about a Pharisee spirit today. Because this Pharisee spirit is so pervasive in our culture. And we see it in the text because they bring the woman out. But my question is, where is the man? Oh, the women ought to talk back to me today. Where is the man? Why is the woman getting pulled out? And you can see in the text that they brought the woman to Jesus, the Bible says, because they wanted to test him. They wanted to trap him. They, wanted, they had an agenda. Because when you have pride, you are agenda driven. Mm. Your motives are off and the pride and the pharisaical spirit within you is driving you to make decisions based on your pride. They drag this woman out and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And why is it? I, I realized something. When I was looking at the text, I said, how come Pharisees seem to go after women all the time. I mean, in, in certain religious circles, you will notice the pharisaical spirit is present because they will focus a lot of attention on women. Yeah, I need some women to help me in this part here. Talk back to me because uh, in certain religious circles, it will be what the women can and cannot wear. It will be all about what the woman can and cannot do and how the women should or should not adorn themselves. It will be uh, whether or not the women can preach or cannot preach. Oh, y'all ain't with me. In certain religious circles, it's all about what do we do with the women. But I see in the text that this pharisaical spirit is not only biased, but it is controlling. And you got to watch out for Pharisee spirit, pharisaical spirits that are controlling. And they will often go after the weaker vessels, quote unquote, the weaker vessels and try to control the weaker vessels. And not only in religious circles do we see oppression or control over women, but we see it in our culture today. Oh, why is it that the women can't be the CEOs? How come women can't own the business? Why is it that we have a problem when women run for president? Did I say that? Oh, I, I, maybe I, I've been on, oh, sorry. Vacation got me all messed up, Osby. I shouldn't have said that. Um, um, why is it in our culture that the woman, the woman has a hard time moving up the corporate ladder? She has to compromise her values in order to get to certain positions. I mean, is there a woman in the house that can relate to what I'm saying in here? Why is it that the pharisaical spirit always or often attacks women? Why is it that women had to struggle to get the right to vote? Why is it that we have an issue when the woman wants to be the CEO of the Fortune 500 company? What is the problem? I believe it's because there's a pharisaical spirit that is pervasive in our culture today. That is, that is full of pride. That is full of bias. That is full of control. But do I have any women in the auditorium today that know that you have the right to be all that God has called you to be? I mean, you can own the business. I mean, you can be the leader and the CEO. If the women would only understand that they have the unique ability to be the leader and also the helpmeet. It's like a superhero 
leader by day, help beat, help meet by night. Like, like women, who told you that you had to play second fiddle? I understand there's a hierarchy that God set up, but he didn't set it up to oppress or suppress the gifts of everyone in the hierarchy. He set it up for order and for clear understanding. So why is it that you have to play the role of the backseat driver? How come you can't ride in the passenger seat? How come you can't be co-pilot women? How come you can't own things? How come you can't get the investments? How come you can't make certain decisions? How come you have to be silent? Oh, I come against pharisaical spirits up in here today, and I'm starting with the one that wants to control us. Because if the men are secure enough, we would realize that as long as we empower the females, that makes everybody better together. And one of the greatest decisions I made was to release my wife. And not hold back the gifts inside of her. Because if I, if I suffocate her gift, that doesn't make us stronger. That makes us weaker. And only an insecure man seeks to suffocate the gifting of his wife. Oh, I messed up some marriages already today. <laughs> oh, the, the brothers like, Pastor, are you crazy? Pastor, you're killing me. You're killing me. My wife is going to ride this point all the way home. You're killing me, Pastor. But in the text, the Pharisees drag out this woman, bring her to Jesus, and say, what are you going to do about this, Jesus? We caught this woman in the act of adultery. And Jesus does something that John wants us to see and understand. Jesus stoops down and writes on the ground. He starts to write on the ground as if he doesn't hear what they're saying. Now, many theologians and scholars and deep saints have tried to figure out what Jesus was writing on the ground. Was he writing a message to the Pharisees? Was he writing a message to the woman? Was he writing his dissertation? Was he writing something to the disciples? What was he writing? And my thing about this is that if the Bible does not say it, then you don't need to know it. Oh, is that good for somebody in here today? Stop wasting your time over what the Bible does not say and fix your time, focus your time on what the Bible does say because there's enough about what the Bible does say to occupy your time and keep you from worrying about what the Bible doesn't say. So he stoops down and he begins to write. And I realize that John wants us to notice Jesus' posture. That he goes from a standing Jesus to a stooping Jesus. A standing Jesus to a stooping Jesus. He's not just the God that stands, but he's the God that stoops. And John juxtaposes the posture of Jesus with the posture of the Pharisees. For the Pharisees are standing pious in their posture. And they are not going close to the dirt on the ground. But Jesus is, is, is caring enough to put his fingers into the ground. And, and I, I got happy when I read that. Because I read that and I thought about the fact that my God doesn't just stand, but my God also stoops. And, and not only does he stoop, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. 
The Bible says he took his finger and started to write into the ground. He inscribed a message on the ground, which means that his hands were getting dirty. That gives me consolation, and it should give you consolation too, because there are times in your life where you need God to be a stooping God. That you find yourself in certain positions where you're so messy, your life is so messed up, it's so jacked up that you need God to not be a God that stands, but you need to be him to be a God that will also stoop and get his hands dirty. Is there anybody in the auditorium today that is grateful for the fact that one day God was, oh, he was, he was concerned enough about you to get his hands dirty and to stoop down out of the halls of glory, out of his heavenly domain, and stoop down and touch the dirty things, touch the messy things. If you look back over your life, I'm not talking about you right here at this point in your life, but if you look in your past, you would realize that God was a God that stooped down and touched your mess that's the thing about grace grace goes from the highest mountain to the lowest valley grace will go down into your mess you don't need a pharisee that won't get dirty to pull you out you need a god that is willing to get his hands dirty to pull you out Y'all not happy in here, but I'm so grateful that Pharisees didn't give me salvation. I'm so glad that it wasn't their religiosity that gave me my relationship. But it was the hands of God that touched me, that handled me. When I was in my mess, he stooped down. And his fingerprints are all over my life. Yeah. His, his, his fingerprints are branded on my hands. And, and there are times in my life when maybe I'll talk about myself. When my life is so messy, I need Jesus to stoop and to touch me. And the thing about Pharisees is that Pharisees are unwilling to get dirty. Pharisees are afraid to get dirty. Pharisees are afraid to go to the homeless shelter. Pharisees are afraid to go to the soup kitchen. Pharisees are afraid to talk to that person in the grocery store. Pharisees are afraid of doing the dirty work because they feel like their righteousness is due to their posture. But your righteousness is not predicated on your, on your posture of standing. But, but, but your righteousness gets power when you have the ability to stoop. And, and Jesus' power is in his posture. Jesus has power because he was willing to die for your sins and get messy. Jesus has power, a power that the Pharisees don't have because he's willing to get dirty. And there's something special about God that God can get close to dirt and not get dirty. Oh, God can come in contact with dirt and not get dirty. God can touch dirt and not get affiliated with the dirt that he touches. Maybe that's what the Bible means when it says that you're in the world, but not of the world. That you can get close to dirt, touch dirt, help dirt, handle dirt, but not get dirty yourself. And I would propose to you today that the way for you to get clean is to come in contact with dirt. 
Oh, oh, this is quiet today because this is the tough stuff. This is the tough stuff. The way that you get righteous with God is to get unrighteous by touching dirt. Your righteousness doesn't come from what you do. Your righteousness comes from God. So, so Jesus is touching the dirt and he's handling the dirt and the Pharisees are trying to trap him. Pharisees, you know Pharisaical folk because Pharisaical folk are often trying to catch you slipping. But you know the difference between a friend and a Pharisee is that a Pharisee tries to catch you slipping. A friend tries to keep you from slipping. And have you ever, have you, have you ever come in contact with Pharisees? Have you, have you ever experienced Pharisees on your job? Where, where, where you're not good enough to work in the department because they have so much pride, they are so pious that you're not worthy, you're not valuable enough to be a part of the team. I mean, have you ever experienced Pharisees that says that your version of Christianity, your version of worshiping God is not right? Because you got to do it their way. I, I, I want to I throw out some things about Pharisees as we go through this sermon series. Because I believe it's important for Link Church to check our Pharisee at the door. Check our Pharisee at the door. Because this is supposed to be the place where the whosoever will can come. This is supposed to be the place that no matter what somebody is dealing with, this is where they should come. And so the Pharisees try to trap Jesus. And as I go through this series, I know I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm here for it. Because I want to establish a culture in Link Church where we check our inner Pharisee. And the Pharisees try to trap Jesus and try to corner him into making a decision. They say to him, the, this woman caught in adultery, she should be stoned. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned. So what say you, Jesus? Will you let her go scot-free or will you abide by the law of Moses? This is a trap because if Jesus abides by the law of Moses, then they can say, you're no greater than us. You're just like a Pharisee like us. And you abide by the law, the letter of the law. What grace are you talking about? Your grace is meaningless. You just stoned this woman to death. Or Jesus could clear her of the charges and let her go scot-free. And if he does that, then he is a God that does not hold sin to any level of standard. He does not care about a person's position. He does not care about what somebody has done wrong. That he is not a righteous judge if he lets her go scot-free. So Jesus is caught in between a decision. Does he choose letter A and convict her? Or does he choose letter B and clear her? One thing you got to know about Jesus is that he's never backed into a corner. And when you try and, and force God to make a decision, 
He always chooses the option you didn't think about. Yeah, we do it all the time. Yeah, we got some Pharisee in us. We say, God, are you Republican or are you Democratic? Oh, yeah. God is not Republican. God is not Democrat. He's not a Democrat. And we wave our banners. God, are you for black people? Or God, are you for white people? Choose a side, God. I ask, we, 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 we force God into these compartments. And we try and make him make a decision. Say, God, you are, you are for black people only. God, you are for white people only. God, you are for Hispanics only. God, you are for Asians only. And we try and force God into these sides. Yeah, that's why we have all these movements. God is for women. And we have extremists out there that God is only for women. I won't call names. Oh, man, I'm getting into trouble. Hey, 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 God is for women. And they're extremists. One thing you'll learn about your pastor is that I try and be balanced. I can't be too liberal, but I can't be too conservative. And watch out for extremism. Any environment that is too extreme is dangerous because it lacks balance. <laughs> we, we do it in our parenting. Yeah, we're pharisaical in our parenting. It has to go our way. It's either our way or the highway. All the kids in here say amen. Yeah, yeah, I thought they would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm going to keep quiet because I got to go home with these parents. What you say, boy? <laughs> we do it in our parenting. You got to do it this way or it's not the right way. We're pharisaical, y'all. We're, we're not open. We don't listen to our kids because they don't know nothing, right? Yeah, they don't know nothing. They, they, they don't know anything. But could it be that you are missing out on what God wants to do because you want God to choose a side and the Pharisees try to corner God into a side and God says, I will not condemn her, but I won't clear her. I'm going to choose option three. I'm going to cover her. Oh, yeah. I won't condemn her. I won't clear her. I'm going to cover her. I won't condemn her. I won't clear her. I'm going to cover her. And the thing about Pharisees is that Pharisees are always trying to convict you. But a true friend will want to cover you. <laughs> Maybe our marriages would be better if we were more covering of our spouses. That we covered their flaws. Hey, rather than condemn their flaws. I mean, I mean, is your house, is your home a safe place for my flaws? All of my flaws. Can I come home to a, to a place that is supposed to be safe for my insecurities, for my flaws? Because I know my spouse will cover me. They won't convict me. Neither will they clear me. They are going to cover me. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, the person that is without sin, let him throw the stone first. And he uses that as a response because he wants to cover the woman. And, and I'm so glad that God covers me. See, y'all ain't here for it, but I'm here for this series. Because I'm not worthy to be your pastor unless God covers me. 
And if you have an issue with that, well, then you don't have a right to sing worship either unless God covers you. You don't have a right to greet. You don't have a right to work in linkage. You don't have a right to lift your hands. You don't have a right to clap your hands. You don't have a right to say amen because all of your righteousness is as filthy rags. And if it wasn't for the grace of God that covers you, you wouldn't have a right to the cross of Jesus. So I need some somebody in here that is grateful for full coverage mm -hmm. to open up your mouth and say thank you Jesus for covering me because God if you exposed me then I would not be worthy but thank you for covering me thank you God that 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 there were certain things that Lord, if you exposed, people would look at me different. Mm -hmm. There are certain things that you are struggling with right now. If we knew all about the things that were going on in your brain, then we would look at you different. But I'm grateful that the blood of Jesus covers my faults and my fears. Is there anybody that is thankful for the blood? You see, the blood covers you from Pharisees that try to convict you. The blood of Jesus, the grace of God, covers you from people that say you're not worthy to walk in your purpose. And the greatest hindrance to your purpose could be the Pharisees that are talking in your ear. The Pharisees that are telling you you can't worship like that. The Pharisees that are telling you, you have no right to praise God. I'm thankful that God covers me. I'm thankful that God covers my faults and my fears and what the devil wants to do. He wants to make you feel guilty. He wants to make you feel guilty. Guilty, guilty. I hear it ringing in the corridors of your brain. Guilty, 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 guilty. You're guilty for what you did. You're guilty for what you looked at. You're guilty for the act you committed. You're, you're guilty for the struggle you have. You, you are guilty, 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 and it's blaring in your brain, and that's why you can't get free, is because all you hear is that you're guilty. Well, I've got news for you. There is a friend, and his name is Jesus, and he has you covered. And you, your purpose is being hindered because of this thing called pride. And if you keep going in the text, one by one, the Pharisees drop their stones and they walk away. Jesus is riding on the ground again. The Pharisees drop their stones and they walk away. Jesus stands up. He turns and he looks and he sees the woman standing by herself. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Why did they leave, y'all? Did Jesus tell them to leave? This is my problem with the pharisaical spirit. A Pharisee spirit does not leave any room for people to be transparent. And, and by any means necessary, we will have a church where people can be authentic, they can be open, they can be truthful, because you can't find freedom unless you can be genuine. And certain religious circles today, it is so, it is so overthrown by a spirit of Phariseeism that people are afraid 
and they walk into church every Sunday and they leave. They drop their stones and they leave where they could have been changed. They would rather go home with their Pharisee garb on. They'd rather go home with their issues and internal struggles. They'd rather go home with pride on the inside than stay with Jesus and get covered. And the thing that will shift this ministry is if we all look on the inside and deal with our inner Pharisee. Because the thing that is blocking your purpose is pride. You're too prideful. You're too prideful to drive to that friend's house before church and say, you're coming with me to church today. You got too much pride. You're, you're afraid of what they're going to say. You have too much pride. I believe that, 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 that this is the thing that changes churches all around the world. When pride leaves the building. Where it's not about the stage. It's about the people we can get to Jesus. I mean, how many people do we all pass? every week, every day, that need Jesus. But we got too much pride. Pride is blocking your purpose. It's blocking you from even doing great things. You got too much pride. It, pride is such a killer. It, it's such a killer because it'll stop you from 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 filling out the application. It'll stop you from starting a business because you're so prideful. You're afraid of what people are gonna say. Pride is keeping you from having a wholesome friendship because you're so prideful, you're afraid to tell your best friend what's really going on. And pride is blocking your healing Oh, yeah. Pride is blocking your deliverance. Pride is blocking your breakthrough. Pride is blocking you from having a healthy marriage because you're afraid of being your authentic self with your spouse. Pride is all over these Pharisees in the text, y'all. It's pride that causes them to run away. Because pride will always push you away from Jesus. It'll keep you from running towards Jesus. They would rather drop their stones and leave than come close to Jesus, y'all. And there is something, I believe it is blocking, it is hindering the greater move by God or the greater move of God in our churches today. It's the Pharisee spirit of pride because God wants to do something great in the earth, but we're so prideful. God hates pride, y'all. The Bible says he despises the proud but he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty or a puffed up spirit before a fall. The Bible says humble yourself up under the mighty hand and he will exalt, mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. If you're looking for a thing, a list of things that God hates, Go to Proverbs. And Solomon would list seven things that God hates. Do you know what the first thing on that list is? A proud look. A proud look. A proud look. A proud look. So you will never see certain things at Link Church. 
because I'm afraid of the spirit of pride. You'll never see it look a certain way. I'm not knocking those that do it. I'm just afraid of it. I've seen the damage that it does. I see, I see how many people today don't want to go to church because the spirit of pride has kept them out. And I want to raise up an army at Link Church. Hallelujah. Where a spirit of grace resides, not a spirit of pride. That no matter how people come, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're dealing with, God will equip us to give them freedom. Yeah, I'm ready for the drug dealer here, y'all. I'm ready for the drug addict right here, y'all. I'm ready for the person that is struggling in their sexuality right here, y'all. I'm ready for it, y'all. Because where else are they going to go? And if that's a problem for you, there's other great churches in Charlotte. But God wants to do something great right here at Link Church. And it's going to come through folk that take off their Pharisee mask. It's going to come from folk that run to church every week, that worship God, that lift their hands, that open their mouths. It's going to come from folk that are ready to see a move of God in our city, in our community. It's going to come from people that throw away their pride and say, God, I'm here for you. I'm here for what you want to do in me. I'm here for your purpose to be worked out in my life. Is there anybody in the auditorium that is ready for God to shift your purpose? I mean, you're tired of life being the same old thing. You're tired of your purpose being the same old thing. Well, it'll happen if you get rid of your pride. Yeah, accidental Pharisees. We all become accidental Pharisees because of our environments. Our environments cause us to be Pharisees, and we don't even realize that we are Pharisees. We don't even realize that we turn our nose up at people we see on the street. We don't even realize that we would rather keep the money in our pocket than give it to the person in need. We don't realize that the person at the gas station is in need of a blessing, but you're so concerned about your your own family, your own money, your own finances, that you have become an accidental Pharisee. And just because we don't dress up at Link Church, just because we don't have certain clergy collars and robes on, doesn't mean that we don't have to check our own Pharisee up in here today. Because God wants you to see that you got stuff to let go of. Hallelujah. In here today, I feel God, y'all. I feel like God is ready to shift this church. Monday, I feel, gosh, I'm a, I feel like God wants to do something remarkable in our midst. But it's going to take somebody that is willing to give up time, that is willing to sacrifice and say, yeah, I'll serve at the football games. Yeah, I'll serve at the open house. Yeah, I'll give out flyers. Yeah, I'll talk to people on the street. Don't you know that God wants to use you? Where did this Pharisee spirit come from, y'all? We're so religious. We're so religious, y'all. I know we have to do certain rituals. But I'm always trying to check whether or not it's religious or it's God-ordained. Because what our community needs, what this school needs, is a group of people that say, I'm willing to step into my purpose and make a difference. 
I don't know what your church background is before we started this church. I don't know where your relationship is with God. But I know all of us at some point have become accidental Pharisees. We think we better than folk, y'all. Because you got a little blood of Jesus on your life, you think you're better than folk. What happened to that Muslim? That's your boy. And you never told him about Jesus for real. And you're comfortable. I come to make you uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable. I could keep going. We got we to gotta go, y'all. But, but I feel an anointing in this place. We, we want to we wanna start shifting our culture. Because God wants to light a fire in this ministry. We want to start moving towards something we call the missing link. We talk all the time about living life connected. But, but God convicted me on vacation. He said, he said Mark, how, how? you're saying you're living life connected, but it's really disconnected. Because, Mark, there are so many people in your community, in your neighborhood, in your city that are linked to you and your purpose. But they are missing. It's like, it's like God is waiting for them to come into the church and find their purpose, but they're missing. And the name of our church is Link Church. And we want to resurrect something that we're going to put into every place that we do culture in our church, in our small groups, and next, in our preaching, in our serving. It's our job to find the missing link in the kingdom of God. There is somebody that is tied to your purpose right now. You don't know who it is, but God knows who it is. It's your job to pray and to figure out who it is and to live your life finding the missing link in the kingdom of God. Because there's certain things in the kingdom of God that cannot happen without certain people coming into the kingdom. I mean, this ministry doesn't touch the city unless certain people come. And it's our job to find them. Everyone stand. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.